It's quite simple, really. You just need to show you some film. You mean like going to the pictures? Something like that. Hello and welcome everybody to another fantastic episode. I am Mitch. And I am Stefan and this is Drag Mitch to Hell. But right now we're having just a little bit of hell. Little hell. That's right. Uh, and we are we are joined by Yovana for her first Lil Hell experience. Hi, folks. Yes, this is exciting. Here. Yes. Since this is a relatively new series, the uh, idea here is just to kind of share what we've been watching. We, we're only our own uh, draggers uh, to hell on this episode. Draggers <laughs> <laughs> yourselves to hell. Yeah. Uh, nobody's forcing anybody to watch anything, although I did watch uh, American Animals at Mitch's behest. and I will reveal yes. my thoughts soon. Uh, I kind of gave you a little prelim. I'd, I'd watched uh, about 20 minutes before uh, the plumbers came by, uh, and I, I really enjoyed the first 20 minutes. But did I enjoy the rest? <laughs> well, I can't wait to find out. <laughs> um, oh, and of course, I'll reveal what our next uh, uh, film is going to be for our, our next proper episode. But, you know, for now, Mitch, why don't you start us off with something you've been watching? Oh, all right. So, hmm. begrudgingly, <laughs> no, I just got to think because there's two movies that we talked about that we would both have watched for this. Right. I don't know if we right. want to jump into those right away. So. Yeah, see. I'm gonna I'm gonna end with my my malignant rant. I think. Uh, sure. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to destroy this episode before we get started. <laughs> Why don't we talk about uh, Assault on Precinct 13? I watched that last night. Cool. Um, I was listening to the uh, the Blank Check podcast. They were in their series on uh, John Carpenter films, and uh, I had never seen the original Assault on Precinct 13. And we had talked about Siege uh before so i also wanted to watch it for that reason so that i could kind of compare both i think you had said you prefer siege to assault on precinct 13 am i yes correct? yeah that's correct okay i do really like assault on precinct 13 I, a kid dies right off the bat a plus <laughs> yeah <laughs> the music's good uh the, the, those are two big buckets for me you know? that's right yes <laughs> uh, music, please. yeah so i en- i enjoyed the the movie i didn't i thought that the the way that the sort of street gang behaves and some of the stuff in the movie is a little bit dated and kind of goofy. Like essentially yeah. for anyone who's not familiar with the movie, uh, it's this precinct that is shutting down and a sort of street gang descends upon it, uh, sort of wanting to kill everyone inside because some the father of the aforementioned child who gets murdered ends up killing one of their people and then running and hiding in this police station. So they all sort of descend upon it. And it's like uh, survive the night uh, uh, described as like a tower defense. Basically, just hold off these people to survive through the night and help will come eventually, um, which is a plot that I can get behind. I like those kind of movies. Yeah, same here. I'm a huge fan. Uh, but, uh, I, we need to get you to watch from. Siege next, uh, I think. So you can. Yeah, I definitely comparison. will so that I can compare the two. But I enjoyed this film. I think I told you. The score I loved, especially like it sets the tone right from the beginning of the movie. It's oh, yeah. just the score over the opening credits. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling yeah. this. 
Um, so it was good. Like I said, the only thing that I think detracts from the movie a little bit is sort of the the motivation of the the gang and just how sort of it's it's like an army of zombies basically it's just right, like this yeah. unending sort of faceless group that are willing to sacrifice their bodies uh for this cause apparently just like climbing <laughs> through windows they keep getting shot down keep getting shot down it's just like unending like a video game yeah um, so some of that stuff was a little bit uh weird and like i said the the guy who runs in the father um you know his daughter was just killed and then he's killed someone i understand how that would be incredibly traumatic but he just sort of stumbles into this police station after abandoning the vehicle that he went to kill them in and then just can't talk for the whole night basically he's just sort of in this weird state where he's awake and mouthing things but he can't actually say any words or anything i don't know it was just sort of bizarre to me his being there and that being the motivator for this gang i feel like there could have been something stronger there and i know the remake changes up why this gang is you know trying to kill everybody in this police station so there was good and bad to it but more good than bad i enjoyed the movie and i'm gonna watch the remake and i definitely want to watch siege and and let you know my thoughts on those yeah i have to say the gang in, in siege's motivation is like topical uh their, their motivation isn't great, but it's great for the story. <laughs> they have terrible yeah. motivation as people. They're, they're garbage, MAGA-esque type people. Uh, okay. it, it feels incredibly timely, but uh, I'll have to get you to watch it and, and make your ultimate call. But for now, why don't you uh, uh, regale us with something you've been watching, Yavanna? Oh, I'm going to regale you. Okay. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> I'm expecting to be regaled. <laughs> I've actually watched, but first of all, thanks, Mitch, because this reminds me I need to do some homework on John Carpenter. I think I've only seen The Thing and Halloween, maybe. I can't really think of any other John Carpenter things I've seen or haven't seen. Um, so thanks for the reminder. I'm going to put that on my to-do list because yeah. I did enjoy both of those films. Uh, so I should probably delve into that. He has some that. gems. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I've been watching lately, I actually re-watched two films that I first saw when they came out, uh, when you and I, Stefan, worked over a decade ago at the Independent Cinema in Ottawa, the Bytown, and those two films are The Coen Brothers, A Serious Man, and uh, The Master uh, by Paul Thomas Anderson. So, I guess... <laughs> Um, the long story short is here that we, my boyfriend and I, uh, sort of started a little movie watching club where we watch movies and discuss them, uh, specifically on religio spiritual thematics. Um, and we take that as broadly as you can possibly imagine it. So, <laughs> okay. so, um, we actually watched first reformed the Paul Schrader film, which I love. And I know you like it a lot, Stefan, don't you? Or do you hate it? Do you no, love I it? Didn't, I, didn't, it? I, I didn't like it, but I could understand why you can appreciate you, it. Okay. Yeah, I can appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to talk about that one, but then we watched a serious man, which is a lot about, um, Jewish theology and, uh, notions of, uh, fate and luck and free will and destiny and, why what does god owe us and why does god hate us and keep doing comically <laughs> tragic shit to us which is basically <laughs> what the movie's about if either except the it, mystery you know except the mystery is my new slogan i won't uh i love that I, movie honestly i try not to do the asian accent i think as a white person i shouldn't oh yeah no that. no the uh for those who don't know the line except the mystery is uttered by a korean character but it is very much a guiding ideology for life you know like Recently, I ordered a product online and it never came to my house. And I was like, 
accept the mystery. We, we just don't know where this thing is that I bought with my credit card. <laughs> um, so love that movie. I think it's really uh, difficult to watch because it's super awkward. There's a lot of tension and there's a lot of like lit- both little and big tragedies that befall our protagonist who's like kind of pathetic and helpless. Um, so it is a bit of a squirmy watch, like you're squirming in your seat, but there's some funny as hell scenes, as you know. So I still give that a 10 out of 10 for sure. And then I rewatched The Master, which the only thing I'll say is when I saw it, when it first came out in theaters, I thought it was pretty bleak, but I was like, you know, maybe I was 10 years younger than I am now and less cynical and more innocent. (laughs) But I was kind of like, okay, kind of bleak, but like, you know, it's for those who don't know, it's loosely based, very loosely based on L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology. Extremely loosely, I will just underline. But um, yeah, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, it's kind of bleak, but like maybe there's something to this uh, cult or this ideology. And like they're trying to help this really pathetic guy who's in a bad situation. And then when I rewatched it now, 10 years later, I was like, this is so bleak. Like there is nothing here. There's no hope. There's no optimism. There's no glimmer. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, maybe there's a little glimmer of something nice that could happen here. And now in my late 30s, I'm just like, holy, there's nothing good here. But still enjoyed the film. Just want to flag that it is a depressing watch. Um, yeah, the ending is yeah. Uh, uh, really yeah. he, because like he, um, Joaquin Phoenix's character is so toxic uh that when he ends up with somebody at the end of the movie i'm like he's just spreading that shit mm. everywhere mm-hmm. this is the most depressing uh mm-hmm. like he's probably starting a uh uh like an abusive household pretty much you know um yeah, yeah his very, trauma very is very movie. contagious so um you know good points for both those films but you really gotta be you really gotta steal yourself to watch the bleakness of the master whereas a serious man is a little more fun so that's my yeah. report Cool. Um, The Master is one that I watched when it was released in theaters, and I wasn't a big fan of it. And Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it since, and I've been meaning to rewatch it because a lot of people really like the movie, and I do really like a number of uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's films. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I was watching it, I just remember being so weirded out, especially in the beginning, uh, and I was laughing at things that I wasn't sure I was supposed to be <laughs> laughing at, and nobody else in the theater was laughing. Uh, it does have that. It does have that to it. Like Joaquin Phoenix is, you know, making uh, this woman out of sand on the beach and pretending to, you know, have sex with it and various other things, and uh, and I'm sitting there like laughing to myself, <laughs> like this is just like this is ridiculous. Um, I would have been right but, there laughing with you. But, yeah, but it was, was in a theater filled with probably, you know, 60, it felt like 60 to 70 year old people. Like there's a theater in London, which is where I was living. Um, and it just seemed like, you know, they probably heard this was, you know, Oscar potential. And so right. that was the audience that was, you know, old white people and me, um, a young white people um (laughs) but uh, but i don't know i just felt so uncomfortable watching this movie and laughing and being like why isn't anyone else finding this stuff funny like it's great performances and joaquin phoenix like some of the line deliveries are just so ridiculous i can't help but laughing and the uncomfortableness but nobody else was laughing at all i was thinking just it would be interesting to investigate moments of humor in 
Paul Thomas Anderson's films because he's such a art darling, right? Uh, yeah. So people think his films are very like highbrow and serious and intellectual, and they are in many ways. But like I can think of a number of hilarious moments in in Hair and Vice, in Boogie Nights. Um, so maybe we should do like maybe somebody should do like a, <laughs> a compendium of comedy moments in Paul Thomas Anderson films. I don't know, but I'm with you. There were a few funny things in that. The same yeah. thing happened with Ari Aster's Midsummer. apparently. Mm-hmm. So, so the scene where uh, he's having sex while surrounded with uh, by yeah. all of the uh, the cult members or cult, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, and he's the one's pushing his butt with his thrusts. <laughs> that wasn't intended as a laugh, uh, Ari Aster claims, but I was hollering in the theater. It was theater. hilarious. <laughs> but nobody else was laughing. It was funny as hell, yeah. for sure. Uh, and then another instance I remember, uh, I saw Get Out twice. Once I saw it at the Rainbow, just downtown Toronto, uh, and had a, like an A-plus experience. Everybody was like really into the movie. And then uh, Anna had a friend visiting, and we went to go see it again at The Review, <laughs> which was a similar experience where it was just like a bunch of like older white people. Yeah. And it was zero laughs uh and i was like this is uh not an appropriate way to watch this movie everybody (laughs) people take serious things too seriously because those are serious they're not they're not comedies those are dramas but like once you get inculcated into the idea that okay i am going to the theater to see a drama you almost like psych yourself out of even being able to laugh at anything, which frankly is what I appreciate about you guys is that <laughs> you will laugh at a hilarious yeah. moment in a super yeah. dark, depressing drama. And I think that's how it should be. So kudos. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But it's amazing how much an audience can sort of color your viewing experience. Yeah. Um, like yeah, watching sure. a horror movie and maybe it just plays better on the big screen, but like, going to see i think it was like one of the paranormal activity movies watching it in the theater with an audience and people gasping and you can hear the sort of not literal cries but noises that people are making just makes it so much more fun and enjoyable to watch the movie and then you watch it at home and it's not even close to the same impact or you know you sort of feed off each other which is why the movie theaters are so awesome I kind of wish somebody was actually just faintly crying during <laughs> watching it. I mean, that, that, they, they would have been in a, uh, you know, an emotional dire straits and I don't wish that on them, but it would have been funny. The worst in a theater setting, and by worst, I mean best, but also worst, is when people are loudly explaining the plot to each other because they Oh my god! Oh man! Oh uh, man! Before before you joined the the podcast, you better. I, so Mitch and I were talking about. Uh, I don't want to go to uh, multiplexes right now. I don't mm. feel comfortable doing so. I'm not yeah. going to. Uh, there is a one screen around the theater, or it's around the corner for me. Uh, one screen of theater that I do like a lot, and actually, you know, has a good clientele that uh, are respectful of one another. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't want to go like see a movie. Uh, right now and it's largely because of you know like previously like people would have like their cell phone out and like you know like we're already being disrespectful to like one another and like how would that exist uh in covid times where do you get people who are like Mm. you know not wearing a mask being like sitting too closely to you like and breathing on you (laughs) breathing on you (laughs) yeah man (laughs) quit it I don't know what brought me to this point. Uh, I get it. I, 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 I was ramping up to yeah. something. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. 
I, I guess I will jump into something that I've been watching. Yes, uh, regale us, Stefan. Oh, I'm going to regale. <laughs> I'm going to regale. So uh, I watched this at Mitch's behest. I watched American Animals, which was uh, directed by Bart Layton. Uh, you might recognize his name because he had previously done the documentary The Imposter, which is about the 16-year-old oh, boy yeah. who goes to the grieving family, goes uh, in Texas claiming to be their, uh, their long-lost son. Um, this is... Uh, Kind partly a documentary. I, I think that's fair to say, right, Mitch? Like it, yeah, it does. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, so this is definitely like uh, it is a narrative film. It is portraying a, a series of um, unreliable narrators. So the truth of what this actually is is definitely sensationalized a little bit. Uh, yeah. But I think it's to great effect. So this movie is about uh, essentially two old friends, Warren, who's kind of a an aloof art major. Uh, who believes, uh, this is my reading of his character, but like I, I think he believes he hasn't gone through enough of a life experience to be an artist. You know, like he he uh, is looking at like a bunch of different, he talks about like Van Gogh, like, you know, committed suicide. And, you know, a, another artist went into the woods uh, and then emerged only to like paint like animals. And, and he's like, where's my experience? Um, and uh, he's basically talking to, uh, this other friend, Spencer, who's equally lost, but more of an agent of chaos. Uh, and he's only in school because he has a uh, sports scholarship. And they realize that uh, Warren kind of like mentions that there's this really, really valuable book being kept in the library that contains a bunch of paintings. And I think it equals uh, like $12 million is the price tag. Um, I should also say this, this takes place in 2004, which is when I graduated high school. <laughs> so uh, I kind of enjoyed all of that. But it's largely an art, an art heist film uh, by, you know, a collection of four people. Uh, they eventually rope in a getaway driver by the name of Chaz and somebody who was an accounting major but wanted to be an FBI agent whose character name I can't recall right now. Uh, Mitch. I'm uh, Eric, at... I think. E... Am I reading that correctly? Jared. Uh... Wait, as Eric. No, that's Jared Abrahamson as Eric. There we go. Yeah, so Eric. Uh, they form this, like, motley crew that are basically planning their heist. Um, and a lot of these kind of, like, more oddball heists, you assume it's going to be largely comedic. Uh, but I would see, say that this movie is actually deeply upsetting. <laughs> uh, Mitch, I don't know how it uh, worked for you, but they kind of, as as the actual heist is taking place, they kind of realize the gravity of what of what they're doing. Like they have to restrain a, a librarian who like is zip tied and then wets themselves, and they're just like, "Oh my god, what have we actually done?" Like our attempt to kind of like uh, have this one great experience of like we've crossed the line and we're doing something that's going to define us uh, for the rest of our lives. Uh, they realize what they've chosen to do is so horrible and it's going to like negatively impact their lives uh, in the long fold. So you don't really have that oddball comic movie that you're kind of expecting going into it, which I appreciate it. I love this movie. I thought it's great. I'm, I'm super excited uh, Mitch got me to watch it. Uh, it is, it's a movie past venture film, which is probably why a lot of people don't know <laughs> anything about this movie. So when uh, I'd seen the trailer for this and wanted to see it, uh, and then completely forgot about it because movie pass, uh, I think is now bankrupt Yeah, or, or yeah, like they don't the exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I, this, this is on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, I, it had a really weak release uh, and, and quickly disappeared. 
so much so that I forgot the name of it. Uh, and even when Mitch <laughs> asked me to watch, I was like, I don't know what that is. Then I looked at the poster. And I was like, oh, that movie. I had wanted to see it. So it was a, a, a good chance to uh, rectify me having not watched it. And I really enjoyed it. So Mitch, thank you. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, I think it's a great movie. And I think you're right about the uh, sort of upsetting nature or you know, them realizing the gravity of it. Like it, it feels like a, a bunch of guys who sort of watch Ocean's Eleven and thought, oh, this is really sleek and cool, like heist mm. stuff. And this is going to be like a sleek, cool heist, which they even sort of play with that. And so yeah. they're like imagining of how it's going to go. Um, but then it's like the reality sets in, like you said, and it's like, oh, that's not at all how this is going to go uh, and how it sort of spirals out of control. And oh, so quick, really like, not good. Yeah, absolutely. He goes to like taser the librarian and realizes that that it doesn't knock somebody out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It only works for like a, the moment where they're getting shocked, uh, you know, like they're not going to pass out. Uh, and it was just like him repeatedly shocking her. I'm just like, oh, this is awful. All kinds of bad. Yeah. Uh, it's incredibly tense. Uh, you know, I, I don't really react to horror movies the way that most people do. Uh, I, I would say that usually uh, is caused more by like embarrassing situations uh, or like really thrilling moments. And there's a lot of that in this. Uh, so I felt what people experience watching horror movies while watching this movie. Uh, okay. So it just really good. Yeah. yeah it's I great. Know. The sort of combination of narrative and documentary stuff also works, I think, really well. Yeah, uh, and sort of understanding their motivation and just seeing the real people is is interesting, but it doesn't take over from the narrative stuff. Uh, no, so yeah, I think it's just a really great uh, movie that more people should see. Anytime someone's like, "Oh, what's a movie I probably haven't seen that I should watch?" I'm like, "You should watch American Animals because nobody has seen this movie and it's great." Yeah, I'm putting it on I, my I, list. Yeah, definitely. I, something I didn't even mention is that the real people who are involved in the crime offer interviews throughout the movie. Uh, and it, it, they're not all on the same page, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but it, it's just a really, really great movie. So uh, yes. with that, Mitch, when you bring us to, uh, do you have anything else? Are you going to do your movie that I, I didn't force you to watch? You watched it on your own, uh, of your on your own accord. But. Oh yeah, well, let's uh, let's talk about that one. Where I think we're referring to the same thing, which is the Empty Man. Yes, a terrible, okay. name. Uh, terrible name. Terrible name. <laughs> Yes, it, it, I think we mentioned before, but it reminded me of the yeah. the Bye Bye Man. Yeah, um, not great. Written by former movie. Survivor contestant Jonathan Penner. Um, <laughs> for the Survivor nerds out there. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, The Empty Man, which uh, I haven't seen The Bye Bye Man. I'm assuming this is better because I did enjoy The Empty Man. Uh, it's going to take me a second here to remember exactly how this uh, plays out. A oh, lot yes. happens. A lot yeah. happens. So, when the, you you told me to watch it and that you thought I might enjoy it and I really didn't know anything going in uh, and then when I turned it on and the runtime was like 137 minutes and I was like Seth, oh, this boy. is a horror movie <laughs> like what's going on here that's asking 137 is asking a lot of somebody yeah but again I did not ask Mitch I, he, he did this it was a, a suggest a gentle nudge uh, you should watch this uh, but not that you yeah. made me watch it but yeah. I was definitely curious um, and yeah a lot definitely happens there's like a 25 minute sequence or 20 minute sequence that opens the movie that i mean not that it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie but it's like its own separate uh yeah. thing that it's i don't like even the know if it's getting into uh, to that but i guess essentially the sort of plot of the film is a former detective 
played by uh, James Badgedale, who honestly, I don't know what you would know him from. He's been in a variety of things. He's on like Rubicon, which is a TV show on AMC. Um, very small role in The Departed. He's you know, he's a good actor. I'm sure you've seen him in something. Uh, World yeah. War Z, he's briefly in. Um, but anyways, he plays this former detective whose uh, neighbor, right? Uh, his neighbor's daughter. Yes. He sort of has this, you know, a little bit of a relationship with he's talking to her. And then she goes missing. Um, and he sort of takes it upon himself uh, because he, you know, has a relationship with the mother that he's going to try and find her and figure out what happened to her. And it sort of leads him down this really crazy path into this sort of like cult like you know group that he starts investigating and there's some you know like suicides that take place within this cult and he becomes almost involved with it i won't get too much into it but it's it to me it the reason why i liked it as much as i did was because it plays more as a like basically a a detective movie than like just a straight like horror movie or cult movie and i'm a big fan of like detectives and mysteries and sort of you know solving this stuff so i liked the movie and um there's a couple of sequences in the movie that i thought were fantastic that just you know you're sitting on edge of your seat um the i'll guess i'll get into one in particular seven i think that maybe you'll agree with me here is he's sort of being led on this path and then he comes to i don't know even how to refer to it but it's almost like this what retreat like somewhere off in in the woods where this cult has a bunch of stuff going it's on. It's like a camp almost. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's nighttime and he's, you know, seeing, and it seems like there's some sort of like ritual going on. He's sort of standing in the distance, um, watching them take part in this ritual and they've got fire going and stuff, but the, you know, the sequence itself and how it plays out, you know, from there, like I said, it's just super tense also a little bit funny like his line delivery there he has like one line and it's great and it's like this is exactly what i want to see here so there's that sequence that's fantastic um there's some really good stuff in the movie i will say it does go a little bit long and i didn't <laughs> love the ending which i don't know if we want to discuss or not. I, I like the i like the ending uh it's it, so like i said it, it the this movie is kind of like the exorcist in the sense that you have a prolonged uh sequence in with Ma- max von Sydow's character in the exorcist and it comes back at the end it's very similar that the it, it's a couple of americans who are in like uh, uh the in the himalayans i think i'm, I'm not entirely, I, I watched this so long ago i don't really remember uh, one of them collapses into uh, a crevasse and comes upon this odd, ancient-looking skeleton uh, that appears to have turned him catatonic. And at the end of the movie, you, you find that he is uh, emaciated and uh, in uh, a hospital bed, having been comatose for an extended period of time, and that he is the kind of like person that they're worshiping. Like he's the container for this ancient evil. Is that is that? correct mitch i haven't again i haven't watched this in a long time yeah basically like i guess he's the empty man like you said like he's yeah. like this conduit for the evil entity that they're all sort of worshiping yeah um and then again are we gonna keep going yeah, with spoilers spoilers away yeah so and maybe it's just from like my own confusion but also like again we've talked about a little bit of my 
sensibilities in terms of paranormal and supernatural stuff. Um, but it's then revealed that he, they created him. Is that sort of what they're, they're implying there is this cult has basically is using the detective character, like everything that he's been doing up to this point has been like pre-scripted by them. Like they've put these memories in his head through this, you know, evil entity and he's going to be this new vessel yeah. for the evil entity. And so all of this stuff has just been essentially almost like a, a ruse where he's to become the new empty man. Or yeah. I, like, I believe that's essentially what he's going to be. Yeah, um, I like that ending personally. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like the game, but uh, <laughs> it's <just> supernatural, <laughs> the game. <laughs> Yeah, I guess uh, it's it's more me like rooting for him and then being disappointed and being like, oh no, like this isn't working out for this guy that I like and want to see yeah. achieve like victory here. Um, and yeah, I, I would think we talked about last time on, I don't know if it was the last one or the one before on the Little Hell with, we talked about Below where the paranormal stuff is like a, maybe this is real, maybe it's not. And yeah. like me, it could be just, you know, another explanation. And that's what I was kind of hoping for at the end of this movie was like, okay, like maybe there's like a sort of more logical explanation. That's not, it doesn't have to be entirely based in reality, but it, that isn't just like, Oh, the demon God, whatever the evil spirit is possessing this guy and is going to do these things. Um, less of that because I don't, like you said, I, I prefer stuff that's based in reality. I find that to be sort of scarier than, you know, demons and empty men and things like that. Um, <laughs> so that's where my disappointment came in the ending. But I think, again, it yeah. was more of disappointment with my my man not getting, you know, to win in the end, um, which doesn't yeah. always have to happen. But in this case, I was I was hoping for it for him. Yeah. I, I mean, I have to say, so yeah, good I, movie. Yeah, a friend posted the trailer for this a long time ago because he was working on a project with uh, Aaron Poole, who is the co uh, Aaron Paul. Wait, no, Aaron Poole, right? What's the what's that fucking guy's name? He's in like the Void. From uh, uh, the guy who's comatose in the Empty Man. Uh, anyways, uh, that's not important. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know. Yeah, don't worry. Is. Don't worry about it. Honestly, Aaron Poole. Uh, Aaron Poole. There we go. Um, uh, uh, and the, the the trailer is awful. It's like it, it was it was literally dumped because it was part of like the you know Disney acquisition of Fox. I think this bears the distinction of having the last Fox logo, being one of the the last movies to have a Fox twentieth uh, century twenty first century Fox logo. Um, and it, the trailer just was like, all right, I guess we have to put this together. Uh, jumble, 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 throw it out. And it, it like literally looks like a like a first year film student cut it together. It's, it's so bad that like my expectations were so low going into this. Um, and uh, I think that's the, probably, sorry, go ahead. Well, let's say the reviews were also like really, really unkind to it as well. Uh, like I, I feel unfairly, uh -huh. uh, I don't know. Uh, I, the, the point is like my expectations were so low going into it and uh, it, it, it deserves much better and deserved much better. Um, yeah. I think it's a solid movie and i think that i didn't watch the trailer so i don't know but like i could see how you could easily turn a trailer for this into a you know 
on the first night you say his name, you hear him. And then on the second <laughs> night you see him because like that's, those are like the rules that sort of are going around like this urban legend about the empty man. Yeah. And so like, I'm glad that it wasn't just that, like some sort of bullshit uh, horror flick where it's like, Oh, you know, it's like Freddie, you know, coming for you or the, or the ring where it's like, you watch the tape and then seven days later you die. Um, yeah. Like where that stuff, wasn't it but i could see how if you're making a lazy trailer like that's the angle that you would take and why yeah. you wouldn't be interested in this movie um, yeah but yeah i enjoyed the movie maybe don't watch the trailer but definitely <laughs> watch the trailer for american animals because it's an awesome trailer i've watched it 30 times probably it's just a fantastic trailer too so oh, I I have, trailers. Uh, i've definitely put american animals on my list I probably can't watch The Empty Man because I get too scared. And also, you guys spoiled the ending. So, That's true. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. It's not, it's not really the type of movie I would watch anyway, but American Animals sounds great. I've put it on my list for sure. Uh, you then, our, our October horror movie uh, for the uh, podcast is going to be The Empty Man. <laughs> Just kidding. It's not. Whoa. Okay. I'll try to steal myself. I'll try no, to be I'll, brave. I think I can I'll, do it. I've pitched something far more offensive for you guys to watch. Don't worry. Um, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, did you watch anything else, Yavanna, that you'd like to, or, or read anything, or you know, anything that you'd like to, to, uh, to plug? What are we? Are we? Are we just talking about movies or TV shows too? You can talk about TV about shows. Yeah, anything. I, I wanted to talk about. Yay! I think you should leave. You know, like I, I love that show. Uh, okay. But anyways. Yeah, we can for sure talk about that. Um, but maybe I'll just mention I. I'm sure that everybody has seen the hubbub and the buzz on the internet, on ye old internet, about the White Lotus, the HBO mini show, mini series. Uh, Stefan, I think I recommended it to you. Did you ever get a chance to check it out? Uh, Anna's watching it, and she said I wouldn't okay. like it. I, I do have one thing to say though. Yeah, I, so she's been watching it, and I've sat down for like a like little segments of of the episodes, and I thought it was good. The music is so awesome. I like, love the it, music. It, the, the, the score for this show is like unreal. It's so um, good. That, that's yeah. all I have to say. You, you can and please have that song, now. It's great. Uh, yeah. So this show is about a bunch of rich, uh, mostly white people who are going to a really fancy, expensive resort in Hawaii on obviously stolen land, which I mean, the rest of this continent is as well. But the um, stark contrast between the classes and uh, racial groups of the visitors and the workers at the resort are uh, very apparent. So it's another, it's similar actually to some Coen brothers aesthetics in the sense that it's not a comedy at all. Although Amazon prime bills, it as a comedy, I think, but it's one of those shows that's like very dark, but to a sort of comedic effect at the end. Um, it's got some excellent performances from Steve Zahn, who I love, who doesn't love Steve Zahn and Kath, uh, what's her name? Connie Britton. And a couple other people who do a really great job. Um, I'd like to introduce a phrase that a friend of mine coined. I can't take credit for this one, but she and I were talking about succession and she called it crazy rich Caucasians, which I now use, <laughs> which I now use regularly. And the white Lotus is similarly a show about crazy rich Caucasians. Um, there's been some criticism of, um, the creator writer creator mike white and the choices he made at the ending i won't uh spoil it about the ways in which the racial and class tensions do or don't resolve themselves um and i'm kind of on the fence about those things too it's not a perfect show but i will say that it made me 
deeply uncomfortable, which is a compliment, I guess. I, guess. Uh, <laughs> I watch some weird. I watch some weird stuff. My my partner Corey doesn't like things that make him squirm in his seat due to tension and awkwardness. Whereas that's my preferred genre. Things things that make me sweat in in a sort of like deep socio political discomfort. Um, yeah, I'm really fun. I'm a great time. So. Uh, I would recommend The White Lotus. I thought it was really well paced, well written, well performed, well acted, but uh, it's going to make you feel a little weird is, so, is the bottom line. I do, have, I do have one story about this. So uh, Anna was watching it before we were going to sit down to have dinner and I was working and I came down and I was like, oh, you can just leave it on and I'll sit and, and watch. You don't have to like change it, you mm-hmm. know, for, for the purposes of dinner. Uh, and it's a scene where somebody's shitting Oh, and yeah. they sh- oh, and they sh- full on show oh, yeah. poo coming out of a butt, yeah. uh, right as <laughs> I had a plate correct. of food on my like, and it made like it just turned my stomach, uh, unlike yep. anything that I've seen in, in recent memory. Interesting. Yeah, that was definitely a thing that happened. Yeah, oh, just yeah. human shit. It's <laughs> like, oh man. <laughs> so I have nothing to add beyond that. But well, that was, you, sort of, you pretty much got the highlight of the show there. There's that was pretty much the peak moment of the <laughs> And how I lost my appetite. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my latest report about that. Yeah. Um I have one major thing to discuss and then dun, dun, I, dun, dun, dun. Um, I also want to say uh, I think you should leave is a show that Mitch showed a sketch to me like a long, long time ago and turned into like us exchanging some of the funnier lines of that sketch back and forth. And then I never watched the show for whatever reason. <laughs> uh and then uh the second season of uh uh this show i think you should leave came out and i was like fine i'll watch it and holy shit i like i love it uh all, all, almost all of the sketches are a plus yeah. uh like i love the like uh, i used to be a piece of shit sketch uh talking about <laughs> sloppy steaks i like that i like the the existential dread that creeps into the uh, sketch about the uh, the guy who's like on a almost like a jackass style show where he's donning what they present as like a really great old age makeup but it's actually just like a haunting facsimile of like a person and it doesn't look good <laughs> at all I and mean, he's in a mall and he's just like suddenly like understanding that like what am i doing here uh and he's like i can't breathe with all this shit on my face uh, and, and like, I don't even know what I'm doing here anymore. Uh, and it turns it like, it, it goes from like comedy to like deep sadness very, very quickly. And <laughs> I have to commend any show that, that can pull that off and still make me want to watch it. Uh, you know, almost all of the sketches are great. Uh, I, think like I forget the name of the guy, the creator and actor. What's Tim his name? Robinson or Tim something Robinson. like that. What a genius and what a weirdo. Yeah, totally. Very uh, weird. I think he's one of these comedy, these like comedy writers, actors, performers that you kind of go like, you know, you admire his work and you enjoy it, but you also kind of go like, what is wrong with that guy? And I think that's a, <laughs> I think that's absolutely a compliment. You know, I think you could, you could probably say the same thing about the late great Norm Macdonald who we lost. R.I.P. Yes, but yeah, there's you know, a really talented, funny guy. But sometimes you'd be like, what is wrong with him? And I think that that is. I think that is sometimes one of the deepest compliments you can give to a comedy uh, writer and performer. I, I fully agree. Uh, yeah. R.I.P. to Norm Macdonald for sure. Yeah, uh, also a Montreal Canadiens fan, so uh, mm-hmm. an, addi- an additional plus for mm-hmm. Mr. Norm Macdonald. 
Um, all right. So uh, outside of that, uh, I, does anybody have anything else before I lay into uh, malignant? Uh, I, think, I think it sounds like you have a bit of a rant to go on. So why don't you give you why don't we give you the space and time you need to do? All that? right, feel free to interject with questions, feelings, anything. Uh, sure. <laughs> please so stop just me. Just be clear, uh, Stefan, you saw this, but Mitch, you have not seen it. I have not. No, I'm okay, saving it for my All October right. horror scary movie uh, month. Got it. I, well, sorry. Now, so there's a, a huge spoiler in this movie that needs to be discussed in order to understand oh, how terrible this movie is. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, fuck. All right. So I, I won't. I won't spoil what that is. However, the title and the first scene should at least give you a faint idea as to what is truly going on in this movie. Um, this is the biggest piece of shit I've seen in I don't know how long. Uh, wow. Like okay. so much. Like I, I, I'm so angry. Uh, so. I, I, I the trailer for this just presents like a like supernatural slasher type film and it looks like a like by the books by the numbers uh you know the conjuring was kind of just that it's just a very well executed movie and I enjoyed it for that even though it brought literally nothing new to the table um so it's kind of looking for something to something like that and then I read a review that's like new camp classic malignant and I was like <laughs> That's an insane statement to make. This is like, you know, when the Met Gala's theme was camp and and that's like an impossible thing to understand yeah. because it's a mainstream people <laughs> who don't represent the counterculture who make so much money. Uh, it's like so ostentatious. Uh, it, it's like, but not like the good kind of camp. Like it's like people trying to do camp. That's what Malignant is. It's, oh it's yeah. It, so this movie is... Uh, all of the acting in it is absolutely terrible. The line delivery is terrible. The script is terrible. Um, uh, there, there really aren't any characters. Where our central character is Madison, who is in, in uh, an abusive relationship, and she's uh, dealt with several miscarriages. Um, and she, before her character is really introduced, she's just the subject of domestic violence, like right off the rip. Uh, you don't have the fucking like class to like at least like give us a character uh, before you abuse her on screen. Like, this is oh, I, yeah. There's like uh, there's two black characters and they're like super like I, this movie's racist. I would go as far as to say uh, you have a sassy uh, quote unquote sassy black detective and then oh, you boy. have a uh, foxy brown uh, uh, inmate in a in a in a police holding. Uh, um, and, and it, it's just like, uh, so Anna made the point, like, oh, he's probably trying to skewer those representation of characters from other movies. Uh, and I was like, if they were characters, fine. <laughs> and it was smart enough to say something about that, but to, uh, just like have awful racist stereotyped characters in a movie and just do that. Uh, and, and, and say that oh it's just referencing you know the movies that came before is is not a a, a a a place that i would want to exist on if i were making a movie you know what i mean sure. um but anyways uh this movie centers around uh again the character of madison who uh has has her uh head she's pushed and she bashes her head on uh on a wall and then that evening, uh, her uh, husband, her abusive husband, is uh, dispatched by a new metal goth uh, killer 
um, who goes on to uh, kill a bunch of old doctors, uh, but she, but uh, he's kind of like psychically linked to uh, the central character of Madison. Um, a lot of the problem with this for me is like literally, it's a it's a question of taste and aesthetics. So. I don't want to see a new metal, like, like, like leather jacket, duster jacketed, uh, new metal aesthetic, uh, killer. Like it's, it's, it's not even like, uh, this is also a problem with like the, the dialogue that's bad. It's not actually funny. It's just obnoxious. Like it's what like, you're saying is it offends your taste. It, it, like it, a lot of this is just like, you know how we're talking, uh, we had talked about, uh, John Waters and David Lynch for curating weird like like their style just like like yeah, yeah, yeah. they understand like what works and what doesn't work james Wan doesn't possess that uh <laughs> so it's largely just a failure um and, and like people are it's hard to talk about this without ruining it for poor mitch but the 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 last 20 minutes the rest of the movie that comes before that is dreadful it is so bad that like i don't know what kind of movie that you're making that you want to make like a route bad supernatural slasher for the first like hour and 20 minutes ish like hour 30 uh and have uh the audience sit through that to enjoy 20 minutes of like kind of superficial fun it's like it's, it's just not great okay. and people are like oh look what got produced at a major studio uh <laughs> that's not uh uh a reason to the, you know, pat a film on the back and the level of like love that this is getting is bananas and uh, it's silly and just proves that people don't understand what camp is. Wait, was uh, this on TIFF? Did this just uh, premiere at TIFF right no, now? No, this, this, this premiered in uh, theaters and HBO Max. Uh, oh, and okay. because I'm not going to theaters right now and I don't have HBO Max, I just pirated the shit out of this. Sure. Uh, I, I don't feel bad about it. Uh, and, and also the, the, the twist, like, while the revelation of like what the twist actually is is kind of interesting it's not as crazy as people are saying like it doesn't somehow make this like as batshit as uh people are saying like there are far battier films um and you know like frank hannelotter's basket case which this movie <laughs> kind of rips off a little bit without uh giving anything away for mitch because i don't think you've seen that and i don't think you'd want yeah. to see that um it, 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 it has like that similar conceit. However, Frank Henenlotter was an outsider filmmaker, you know, uh, whereas James Wan is like just done Fast and the Furious, he's done The Conjuring, he's done Insidious and all these like, you know, um, what, he did a movie called Dead Silence. I don't like any of these movies. I think the problem is like, I don't really like James Wan as a director. Uh, there is uh, Where Is My Mind by the Pixies is woven into the score. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, this is the most terrible. Uh, there, there's probably yeah, there's probably like half a dozen songs that should never be allowed to be used in a movie ever again in yeah. for all time, and that's why. Yeah, yeah. I, I I know it's like trying to make a self aware comment, uh, uh, but like Jesus Christ, man, like it's it's all so bad, uh, and, and it doesn't amount to like a good experience. It's not. Uh, um, trying to think of like uh what a good bad movie is like uh <laughs> like death spa or i don't know our favorite um, all our favorites death spa death spa uh or like warrior three warrior three the domination or like stuff like that 
You just uh, sound, I think you just sound exasperated. That's how bad it was for you. You just sound like you're at the end of your I, rope. I have so much I want to say about this, and I'm so frustrated that people are... I know people can enjoy whatever they want, but this movie is, like, objectively dog shit. <laughs> and I'm just so angry. <laughs> uh, what a waste of money. Uh, that uh, who, uh, the, It's like $40 million budget. That's, like, it's not doing well uh, for obvious reasons. It has like a, an awful cinema score, an audi- awful audience score. Uh, and there's no one like really famous in it, right? Uh, I, I don't think so. Nobody should get work. Yeah. Nobody should get work. <laughs> from after yeah. this movie this this should be yeah. a, cr- a career killer uh, there isn't even but there isn't even someone whose name you can put on the poster like it's uh, not even and annabelle wallace annabelle wallace that, that's not maddie hassan who is that no uh oh, you guys are big George maddie hassan's fan come on mckenna <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Like, it's just it's it's what's really like the, it's trash. What's the minimum? What's the minimum actor you think you can put on a poster and it be effective? Uh, like not a, not a Brad Pitt, but like somebody who's like the bare bare minimum of name recognition. I think Zoe Bell being uh, is probably the the biggest name in this whole thing, and she mm. has a small role. Mm. So I don't know. I I. I Man, if we recorded this like two nights ago, I would have gone off. Now I'm just <laughs> tired uh, 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 with this piece of shit movie. Uh, I, I hope time is unkind to it, uh, and I want my time back uh, because the world's ending, and I, <laughs> like I'd like to spend the, that two hours on something else. <sighs> Anyways, does anybody else have anything to say now that I've sucked the air out of this? <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that was uh, a pretty good way to. to <laughs> that rant yeah. was a pretty good way to to start to wrap things up. I think there's uh, nothing. Let's put it this way: there's nothing I'm equally as angry about that I could possibly go on about to match. Yeah, you. I mean, also, I, I like uh, I talked about uh, talked with Mitch about this before you had uh, joined uh, our the the episode proper. Um, I am pissed off that movies are coming out now without VOD options immediately. Like, I'm not yeah. going to the theater to go see your fucking movie. Uh, just because like the U.S. is like a okay with like packing any public, uh, you know, uh, like auditorium, stadium with a ton of people, uh, <laughs> the fact that one in five hundred Americans died uh, due to COVID, uh, like you don't have a VOD for uh, your film, I'm stealing it. <laughs> I'm gonna keep fucking stealing every goddamn movie that doesn't have a VOD option. That's my <laughs> other rant. Uh, and I'll fair. happily do it. Yeah, like Jesus Christ, man. Like, or like, or like, uh, f- like, force. Like, if if you if you have a film that is going to a streamer, at least like have it on uh, like VOD anyways. Like, I, I I'm not gonna get a, a subscription to another streaming service. Yeah, that's fair. yeah. I, I re- already have like four, and I'm I'm finished. I'm done. I don't care about Peacock. Apparently, nobody really cares about Peacock. Uh, no, why would you? Yeah, honestly, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm at my max too. I'm yeah. yeah. Listen, it's, it's, I'm already <laughs> borrowing four different friends' passwords for streaming <laughs> platforms. What do you expect? You want me to contact a fifth friend to get <laughs> Disney Plus? I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, we, we have like TSN. We have uh, Prime Video. We have uh crave netflix uh i used to have shutter and i let that lapse because i was so disappointed in what was 
being thrown onto it. I was like, this is not worth my time. And they're upping subscription costs. I was like, pass. Blessings uh, upon Canopy, the free service through your local public library. There you go. That's a, that's a, a good way to watch stuff without having to pirate it like the evil person that I am. But, uh, or Tubi. But they don't have Tubi. everything. Oh, yeah. Tubi's great. Uh, but to, that's like... Uh, it's it's like the rec theater of, of streaming services. <laughs> it's, it's stuff that's been out for like forever. Uh, I do have to say, the, 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 obviously, the the reason why Tubi is free is they have ad breaks, but their ad breaks are actually quite uh, merciful. They're short. They're not um, obnoxious, and it kind of feels like you're watching a TV movie, which uh, yeah. you would probably probably be uh, appealing to only people of our generation. Um, nice. Yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoy I'm not it. familiar with Tubi. Yeah, uh, check it out. Tubi TV, great name. I like to call it Tubby. Um, that's uh, a <laughs> pointless anecdote. Uh, should I just reveal what our next movie is going to be for Halloween or October? Yeah, yeah, if you've decided, go for it. If Mitch so, wants, does Mitch know? Uh, I told Mitch. Uh, so I was, okay, I was, great. I, Let's hear it. So I wanted to pick something that would be like like a, a relatively well-known movie. Uh, this is a film specifically that has been reevaluated recently. Uh, and I do think it's great. Uh, the story of how I uh, watched it is uh, related to one of my anecdotes from our last episode. So it's a good like uh, narrative tether between, uh, between episodes. Uh, but we're going to be watching Halloween 3. Season of the Witch, <laughs> which, which uh, so we were talking about John Carpenter earlier. This is not John Carpenter. Uh, this was when they were trying to repackage Halloween as um, basically every Halloween they would have a new movie uh, with a uh, with a different you know Halloween blah blah blah. Uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't feature Michael Myers. Then there would be individual narrative films, and this was to be like the first iteration. And it failed miserably. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I do really like it, though. Uh, but I think that it's it's really odd. Uh, I don't think it'll work for Mitch, uh, but we'll find out. I'm probably um, going to hate it, too. <laughs> I, you, maybe you like it. Uh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> a, a, a kid dies in it, so you know I like it. Woo! Oh Woo! Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, it'll be fun to, to discuss it. So uh, with that said, why don't we say goodbye now? Good. Bye. Bye. Bye.